Jackson. So he's the one that we're worried about. And I've been telling him, you know, so I tell people, look, I have one kid with cerebral palsy and one that I'm worried about, right? Because he looks like me and acts like me. Welcome to the Business of Parenting podcast. Tune in as we discuss the principles of successful parenting as a business professional. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of BOP, the Business of Parenting podcast, where I get to talk about anything and everything I want to talk about when it comes to parenting. Now, I am no expert, but I may have an expert with me today, especially if it's an expert based on time and how long he's lived. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have the one, the only, he fought in the Civil War, people, but I have the one and the only Mr. Jeff Stearns with me. Jeff, what's up, man? How you doing? I remember the first car I sold, Crank Start. Yeah. Did Brand Henry, new. Henry Ford came out and shook your hand, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hey man, thanks for taking. Good, Jason, thanks for. I know, me. right? Like we get to pick on each other. Like I'm not self conscious enough already. <laughs> hey man, if I looked, I, I I hope I look as good as you when I'm 107. I'm serious. That's right. It's I I just I wish I would. I mean, I look look what I look like, and I'm like, come on, man, you look amazing for 107. Hey, thanks by the way for taking the time to jam with me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, we got a chance to record, uh, talk a little bit before we hit the record button today, and uh, we're just gonna talk anything and everything that we want to talk when it comes to the business of parenting. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm not an expert. You got a lot more experience than I do, and we're just gonna have just a fun conversation today around that that business that is of parenting. Now, before we kind of get into our topics, we got some great topics today. You know, I love kicking off my podcast with a little origin story of just kind of how it all started. So Jeff, let's kick it off with kind of, you know, how uh, a little bit about your family, yourself, and kind of how it, it got structured. Thank God. I thought you were going to ask, how did you become a parent? Yes. I was going to have to tell you about that first time in the back of the yeah, we, we can explain Ford that. or three on the tree mohair headline or underneath the birch tree behind my dad's car lot. We'll save that for another podcast, Jeff. It would have been a lot more meaningful if someone was with me. <laughs> I'm a joke on my coffee. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> so, Jason, um, I uh, literally, how do I put this? Of course, everyone gets, well, I shouldn't say everyone gets married. On per I got married intentionally and wanted kids intentionally. Uh, I dated a lot. Let's just put it that way. And, um, I, by the end, uh, you know, I was really sincere and serious about searching for someone that I thought would be a good wife and mother. And I'm sure I'm not exclusive in that, but mm -hmm. it also wasn't, um, sometimes it's accidental, right? So, uh, you know, everything was really well planned out. I mean, let's get the house, let's get a certain amount of money in the bank. Let's get a certain amount of travel behind us, you know, before we're married and after we're in and all of the planning stuff. And then decided to get pregnant, and within six weeks, we're pregnant. Okay. <laughs> but what we didn't plan on, uh, and I wouldn't trade him for anything, is son number one, Max Stearns, born New Year's Day 2000, first millennial baby at our hospital, Meese in Dunedin, Florida. Uh, turns out, had a stroke during childbirth mm. somehow. Mm. 
and Max is a few weeks early and uh, has mild autism. This is what we believe and cerebral palsy. Now, Max didn't walk or speak until he was five. So we really, 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 really didn't know what we had. And God knows 20 doctors told us, you know, he'd just end up in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And that would be it. So, you know, one piece of the parenting, I mean, I, I love your, I love this topic. I love this show that you have. Love this chunk of the Jason podcast <laughs> universe. You know, we talk about parenting. We talk mm -hmm. about, we'll get into, you know, the managing leadership and coaching of kids or our own state or boundaries between work and family, all of that stuff. But in this case, um, it turned into what would you do for your kid? Yes. Um, in my case, you know, outside of insurance with you name it from you name it, you know, every holistic from food allergy to hyperbaric chamber to yeah. immunologist in Hawaii to mm -hmm. a special therapy suit with elastics all over it. So Max could feel his body in space that I almost sent my wife to Poland <laughs> with him and turned out someone here was doing that technology. I mean, like, because what would you do? Yes. Uh, I spent a little over half a million dollars in his first 10 years out of pocket mm -hmm. in medical that wasn't uh, traditional enough to be covered by insurance or co-pays, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. And, um, and by the way, before I come across as a martyr or anything like <laughs> that, I mean, my whole position every year because I was spending enough on medical to write it off on taxes and I made good money mm -hmm. and you have to get past a certain number to write it off. So I made a lot of money and still spent a lot. I spent looking at the first 10, 11 years, but I think my lightest year was about 18 grand in medical. My heaviest year was about 55,000 us dollars, mm -hmm. not your dollar. Thanks. So real money, real money, not the, uh, on medical. Money. And I, and I never had an awareness of it. Like I never, if I would have gone into any year saying, okay, you're going to need to spend this. I would have said, oh my God, how am I going to pull that off? But where I noticed is when I was just adding up receipts for taxes mm -hmm. and, and I, it strictly took me to gratitude. It was like, thank you, Lord, for giving me the ability, the talent, the energy, the opportunities, the whatever to pull this off. And thanks for giving us this kid that you thought we could uh, manage this with, but it was like literally Jason carrying him around until he was about five. And I remember during a three down here in Florida, three hurricane, three hurricanes over three or four weekends. Yep. And we keep getting the house ready for the hurricane coming and getting the dealership ready for the hurricane coming and moving all the cars that'll go into the shop into the shop and the shutters and all of that business. And then they wouldn't come, you know, like, that's one frustrating thing about, well, we don't want to complain when we don't get hit by a hurricane. Uh, but the false alarms, when you see the spaghetti model on the weather. Mm -hmm. But during Hurricane Ivan, lights are out in my house, and Max comes walking up, and he says, look, like, look, I'm walking. Wow. That had to be something. Was that just, that just mind-boggling or what? Oh, I mean, like, you know, like... Hitting lotto, right? It was just hit in the lottery. <laughs> you don't know if it's going to happen, like because everything that we did, remember every 
And when I talked about all that medical expense, everything that we, it wasn't like we chose a big lump sum, like, let's throw this at him. Yes. It was just another thing that we found we could try with him, including the poor kid had, you know, a cyst on the cerebellum that he had removed. So he had brain surgery at 11 months. So on top of unrelated to his condition, anyone can have that. Uh, just through a lucky MRI, checking them out. We found this thing and that turned into emergency brain surgery. But everything that we did, we kept saying to ourselves, is this going to be the thing where he's going to walk or he's going to say something or, mm-hmm. or, you know, we, we were doing sign language with him. We got into signing because he couldn't speak. And he had a, a talking board. I want, you know, lemonade. I want to go outside. You know, he'd push the buttons on there so we can communicate, but we just thought, that was our life with them. And everything that we did, we were looking for the magic. Of course. There was never a magic. It was, it was always a line of progress, but we're, ne- we're never going to know which thing did it. And then around the same time, you have another son. I have a, another son and he looks and acts just like me. So Jackson, <laughs> so he's the one that we're worried about. And I've been telling him, you know, so I tell people, look, I have one kid with cerebral palsy and one that I'm worried about, right? Because he looks like me and acts like me. But, and I've been telling Jackson since he's born that he's named after his real father, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, how, how does that go over when you tell him that? Well, when I finally showed him a picture when he was eight or nine years old, he goes, that's Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't understand the joke. Life. He had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Just to put the cherry on the top, you decided to go for round three. Uh, well, you know, yeah. I mean, like, first of all, um, so I'm 57 years old. I have a gorgeous daughter, Mia, that's going to turn two next month. And, you know, there's all the, and, and she was intentional, and there's all of the uh, uh, pragmatism, yeah, pragmatism and... Um, intellectualism and practicality and all of the stuff that we think about when planning and like what age are you going to be when she's, you know, doing whatever, right. Graduating high school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was wrestling with all of that, uh, before decided to get pregnant with her, with Mm -hmm. my wife. And, um, once she was born, it's just, my daughter and that's the end of it but i had this stuff and someone let me off the hook with that uh two two different people and one you know i'm not going to make it a humble brag it's just a brag yeah uh one person said if jeff stearns ain't a father what is he (laughs) there you go and that's really what i am and that's really how i identify myself whether it's my own kids or all the ones that we've informally adopted as you have too i'm Mm -hmm. sure over the years and um, another one who really, you know, made me okay, and I'm okay with it. I'm, you know, love yep. my daughter, thrilled, right? Um, a, a friend of mine that I, well, I met through selling a car, my God, 30 you know, years ago, maybe more, maybe closer to 35 years ago. She grew up in an orphanage that her mother ran. Wow. And the orphanage was kids that, were not getting adopted and it was often because they were a little too old because their parents died in a car wreck or something and they're not as appetizing to adopt because they're four not four months and you know all that stuff or special needs yep so she grew up taking care of all of these kids with her mom in ohio 
And she called me shortly after uh, Mia was born. And she said, hey, listen, I went and I was shopping for a Mercedes over at such and such uh, MB dealership. And, of course, everybody in town, I was in retail 27 years with an eight mm-hmm. score mile, so everyone around here knows me in retail. And I ran into so-and-so, and he was being kind of a smart ass, and he says, what do you think about Stearns having another baby? <laughs> she called me immediately. She goes, first of all, I'm not buying an effing car from the guy. That'll be it. But she says, after growing up in that orphanage and all of these kids whose parents were 25-year-old parents were killed when they were yeah. three months old or three years old. She said, any kid that could be uh, have Jeff as a father for two years, five years, 20 years is lucky. Absolutely. You know, and I'm totally cool with it. Whatever self-consciousness I had, I don't have it. But, man, you've really embraced the business that is parenting um, over the years. You've got... You know, just 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 about when most he, most people are getting towards the tail end of that business, you decide to jump right back into it uh, and start all and, and start from the beginning again. Which which, dude, I I, I admire. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you. I I think as my kids get older, I, you know, and, and that 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 business that is parenting them, and I I'm no longer doing the training, and I'm no longer doing the development, and I'm getting to the place now where I just start coaching them as as an adult. It, it, I, I I I'm not overly looking forward to it. I can be honest with you. I think a lot of people out there, like they're looking forward to when their kids become young adults and they can connect with their kids differently. I'm like, I kind of not, I don't necessarily mind the, the age and the place that they are in right now. So I, I, I think it's cool, man. I think it's totally cool. Man, that but you know what, you Jason, get to you talked in, in before <laughs> we hit record on here, you were talking about your hobbies. Yeah. My lack of <laughs> your, your long list of hobbies. Mm-hmm. And what do you like? You like your business and you like spending time with your kids. You got it. So before you start getting all practical about what phase of your life that you're in, and now it's time to go sit on the rocking chair or whatever, or just focus on business other than spending time with your wife, who's wonderful girl enjoyed meeting her. If you think about it, um, when they're gone, what happens to your hobby list? Yeah, it gets pretty small. Not gonna lie, it's a good point. That's um... so. Uh, to me, it's it's it just adds to my hobby. No, it, someone develop and love and 100%. take care of and protect and provide and whatever. And you just kind of it just keeps evolving. Which you know, I look. That's I think this is kind of dog I am. And then th- I think that's a great segue kind of to a, into one of our topics today. Um, I'm going to start in kind of a different order here because I think we touched a little bit on it already. And I think I want to kind of continue to, to discuss this balance versus work ethic. You know, I, I think the two of these, the, the two of these concepts seem to battle each other on a very regular basis, right? You have the, 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 the work-life balance on one side, and then you have the work ethic on one side. And I think for a lot of people out there, it's, it's perceived as this proverbial, you know, game of, 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 of pulling each other back and forth, you know, and, but I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think that's just kind of maybe how our industry, especially our industry, being in the automotive industry, I think it's very much so. It's like, you know, it's you're rewarded based on your work ethic, not on your balancing of your work and life balance. But I, there is definitely a way to achieve 
both. And I think people think of balance and think that they there has to be like, well, I spend equally this much time on my business and I need to spend this much time on my family, which is not necessarily true. I think it's it's how deep that time is spent with them. And I know you got some thoughts on this. So so when you hear this like tug of war of work life balance and work ethic, where what do you what are your your first thoughts? First word that comes to my mind is excuse. Mm, yeah. It's a good one. Um, there's no shame in providing for your family. You know, I don't, I don't have a particular love of money, but I do need to finance this shit that's important to me in my life. And I already talked mm. to the half a mil I spent on medical for my son, you know, whatever. Like, I wouldn't have had that option if I couldn't go and thank God for the car business, because it's a business that rewards you commensurate with what you get done. So thank God when I needed more, I could make more. And I'm not saying that uh, my pursuits are more worthy than someone else's pursuits because it's whatever makes them happy. I mean, if it's travel, if it's eating good and healthy and organic food versus lower cost, you know, stuff that, you know, instead of investing in your health, investing in doctors later, you know, whatever. I mean, my, our eating in our family, you know, with Max, we did a, this is interesting. Let's, here's a commercial for eating right and organic food. (laughs) You know, we did a food allergy test on Max right when he was starting to speak, but it was very unclear with his um, cerebral palsy and he would drool. He always had like a little drool spot on his shirt. So then we go out and get him food allergy tested because we were always doing the next thing. So it wasn't like the doctor putting the little pins with grass clippings and, you know, whatever, you know, it shows a little allergy. This is blood tests and this sort of thing. And it turned out that Max was allergic to, say, potatoes or allergic to eggs, but not allergic to organic potatoes or organic eggs. So what do we know from organic other than, you know, we went to the health food store once in a while, like some people do, and you see all the anemic, sick-looking people that work and shop there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it smells funny in there. And um, anyway, we start switching out his foods and eliminating foods and going to all organic. And, like, I'm talking, Jason, within a couple of weeks, and we've been doing everything for years. Uh, within a couple of weeks, there was a night and day shift in his clarity of his speech, being able to understand them. Wow. And the little drool spot that was always on his t-shirt disappeared. Hmm. So now you got a quote unquote normal kid, the one that looks and acts like me, but you got this normal kid who doesn't have a neurological headwind. So what happens with all of us is with all the toxins and the food and processed food and, you know, all that business, Mm -hmm. uh, we're just, I'll just say coping with it better, dealing with it better because we don't, we didn't already have a stroke. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyway, um, that's the only kind of food when I can buy it that we bring into our house. Now, I don't know if it's luck or what, but neither of my sons who are now both through school, neither of them missed a day of school being sick ever, neither one. Mm. So I don't know. Could be luck. Well, hey, you're, you're definitely. This what is you the eat. money conversation because yes. people give me crap about what I buy and I'll spend double or whatever. And yep. this is the thing that's important to me. I'm in a, and look, I, some people to them being able to go on a gambling cruise is important to them. And I have no judgment. I mean, mm-hmm. we do whatever we want with our money. I mean, to me, taking care, 
taking care of other people, uh, not in a forced government getting involved way, but I want to take care of other people by choice. And, um, you know, that's an important uh, thing on my list of overhead. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, a real piece of my overhead. So um, the thing about the boundary or what I call the boundary between, and I'm not going to call it balance because I, I, that gets into the excuse range. When I've had salespeople working for me or, well, techs, dealer, staff, staff working for me, working with me. When I've run into a performance problem, I've heard what I'll call the excuse of life, work, balance, whatever you want to call it. Yes. I don't like it. I never, I never bought it. I never swallowed it because first of all, there's no lack of life at work. No, not at all. I mean, who you're interacting with, what you're doing, you are living life while you're playing your chosen sport, whatever it is. Um, and there's again, no shame in it because providing not love of money, I'm not telling you how to live, but to me, not love of money, but financing the stuff that's important to your family. See, there we go. That's what it is. Takes money. A hundred percent. And so that, that's where it's like work ethic and balance, not necessarily in competition with each other. It's that you have to define what your balance is and, you know, for, for you and even for my family, it's the exact same way. You know, uh, one of the things that keep us balanced, all right, is yes, we buy everything organic, everything. So our grocery bill, probably twice the price than right. the average size family, right? So my work ethic has to meet what the balance, all right, that life balance that we've made decisions on. And so I see what you're going with this. I like this because I've always kind of pictured these two things as being kind of in competition with each other. And but maybe reality, you want your wife driving a late model car with some more safety features. Yeah, you know, because kids in it. And that's that's the balance, right? The balance is, but but the work ethic has to has to match the balance you've chosen, you know, and what and what that life balance is. But no, man, I, th I think that's perfect. You know, that's a great way to look at it. And, um, you know, I kind of let's talk a little bit going about into balance, maybe kind of throwing things off balance or creating new balances, kind of going into our, our next topic is just the business of parenting, you know, after divorce. Right. You know, we're doing that. We just got done having this great conversation about balance. Now let's go unbalance that, but then find new balance. All right. With within the business of parenting after divorce. So um, I'm the weirdest. Uh, I see. I find it so odd. And maybe there's some purpose. And I find it so odd that I'm a, a divorced past divorce guy. Mm -hmm. um, I know that many, 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 many are people are divorced half. Right. And, you know, I don't want to um, be judgmental. I still don't identify with the divorce crowd, and I didn't do anything in my first marriage that did or didn't do anything that should have resulted in divorce. I finally came to terms that I had nothing to do with it. Um, we can get into that. You know, it's not excuse making, but um, I know I'm a hyper responsible, hyper accountable guy way over there on the spectrum. And I took responsibility for all of it. Like, what did I did wrong? And then as time went on, I found out, especially when I ended up with my kids, probably three quarters of the time that uh, it wasn't me. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I'm what's interesting is, is my ex wife and I, um, counseled many couples prior to end, ending up divorced. And I, I did an interesting podcast. Uh, well, interesting to me, but I, I can say with an interesting fellow named Billy Merritt, Billy Merritt is the, uh, father of the buyback Billy, the Facebook event. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it was wonderful because I expected to be all car business related and the guy's super deep, super interesting. And he had talked about, and I've had other guests also that, uh, if you don't have the right partner, you're going nowhere. That's a good point. If I didn't, I mean, it ended up not necessarily being authentic or something, you know, or some daddy issue or, or, um, chemical hormonal issue or whatever were had my ex-wife shift. But, um, I felt that I had her support a hundred percent of the time until I didn't mm-hmm. now. Um, and I'm not saying any of this like bitter or venom, or I'm just like mm-hmm. looking at myself as a subject in my, in a Petri dish and just describing it. That's all. That's where I'm coming from. So, but one of the things that I used to say when she'd say, and you guys and gals understand this, when are you going to be home? When are you going to be home? Get that one. I'm in a car dealership, right? (laughs) And I'd say, listen, on the nights that you want me home, because we're meeting such and such for dinner or taking the kids somewhere or going to see Santa Claus or your parents are coming over or whatever, Tell me that you need me home by X because I can make it home by whatever time I need to. Two o'clock in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, six o'clock sharp for dinner, whatever, right? But don't ask me if there's no um, need (laughs) because I'm not walking out in the middle of a 100 grand car deal or 20 grand used car deal, whatever, right? I'm not walking out in the middle of it. I'm going to complete my task. Or if you're already getting a sitter because you're going somewhere with your girlfriend and it truly doesn't matter when I need to get home that that's going to be the night that I'm going to clean up a hundred emails or something. Right. <laughs> yes. So, um, the, you know, the boundary would be identifying, but communication. So, I mean, we all know it's almost a cliche, but it's no. There's it's a lot of truth necessary. to it. Yeah, communication is critically important, both on your side and your partner's side, life partner, and business partners, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, everyone needs to know what's expected, hoped weighed out and you know listen sometimes it's about going to see santa claus at the mall and sometimes it's i'm 10 units away in the dealership from hitting a 250 grand quarterly (laughs) factory program and i'm gonna make the choice like listen i'm gonna try to hit this thing Mm -hmm. because it can pay us x and that trip you wanted or whatever medical bill, you know, whatever. Right. So, um, I, I took a trip to, uh, I don't know, I, England. I don't remember. I went to England on a, uh, uh, 
it was a Rolls and Bentley trip. It was before Rolls and Bentley were separated. Mm-hmm. So it was when it was Rolls and Bentley. And I went on a dealer trip there. I used to run a Rolls and Bentley store. And somehow at the dinner with all these fellow dealers that I knew through meetings and dealer trading, and there was only 40 dealers in the country, so it wasn't hard to know. Um, we got onto the topic of if you can't be described in a few words by anyone, your mission isn't really that clear. Oh, now that's an interesting one. And we went around both in a sincere and screwing with each other way, you know, a whole bunch of guys and gal dealers. And it came down to me and it's not a humble brag. It's just a brag. It was, it, it's a stone brag that it, it was so important to me that it came down this way because we were all there in a busy setting and it came down to how would you describe Jeff and family man, in a business setting is what I got tagged with at that dinner. And I mean, that was God, 2020, it was probably 20, 22 years ago. That's huge. That's huge. Well, and, 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 and that, to, to your point, I mean, it's like, it, it's about finding the right partner so that you can maintain that, 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 that ultimate goal, you know, and, um, you know, it's, you're going nowhere without the right partner. hundred percent. And just, and look, this is in every business, you know, I've, I've, I've had, you know, business partners that just look, partnerships is an interesting thing. And I love the fact that we kind of bring this up because, you know, partnerships have to be, you have to equal value on each side. And if there's any type of, if, if the value you bring is more substantial than the value that the other partner brings, it can throw crap out of whack really 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 fast now now the values can be entirely different you know one value can be money another one could be experience one can be just actual just 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 labor hours and time put into it and the other one like so like it, it doesn't have to be the same but the value has to be level and then when it's not that's that's when it gets quite difficult and you know once you go through divorce you have to find that you have to find that again. That's not a. That's not an easy place. An easy but, place you know, to be. It's. But it's about the mission statement. Yes, there so, you go. It's about the mission statement. And it's about communication because the number one stinginess in any relationship, marriage, business partners, whatever, is keeping your mouth shut about something to not make waves. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's the most stingy thing you could possibly do because the other person doesn't get an opportunity to modify behavior based on your needs, wants, whatever, then everyone's getting robbed. And then you develop resentment about what the other person's business, marriage, whatever, friendship, doing or not doing. But it's unfair because you never gave them an opportunity to modify. You know, the partnership in marriage, in business, is the mission statement. So what do we want? We want X number of kids. We want to live here. You know, I used to tell my ex all the time, listen, if I'm working too much, let me know. I can have my owner put on another manager. I can take a pay reduction. Mm-hmm. No big deal. We can go live, go live, you know, I live on the water. I can go live inland over by your folks two miles in and cut mm-hmm. our house costs in half and drive a couple of Camrys, no offense, uh, compared to Land Rover and whatever, right, that was in the garage. And I can work less. Okay. And I didn't care. I just need to know what you want. 
hundred percent. And and that and that's what a good partnership is, right? Is finding that balance. And but sometimes it's it's just not possible to find that balance. It's a very difficult place to be. Look, I, and look, Jeff. I know we're getting towards the end, the tail end of our time today, and I know we could easily probably go another half an hour, not another hour, on some of the topics that you know just we're me discussing introducing today. myself just, as a half hour. Oh, what, one of the things you'd mentioned was you know about divorce. So I ended up a divorced guy. I'll just say blindsided mm-hmm. and a divorced guy. Um, again, my ex-wife and I counseling other couples. So really, it was let's just call it super ironic. Right. Like I was doing everything to not ever have that happen to my kids. I was a child of divorce, like, you know, worst event in my life, drove a lot of things in me. And um, that's why I ended up leaving retail. A lot of people said, you know, gee, like it was shocker, you know, to to my clients and people around (laughs) town, like Jeff left retail. And I, you know, I uh, ran a couple of the largest stores in the United States, a couple of top CSI stores in the United States. not a humble brag. That was my background, right? It's not even a brag. That's just, what, I was in the business, right? I was really, really in it. You can't do that one store 10 years and another store 10 years and not be at least interested in your business and hobby of the car business. But I suspected that my ex was kind of stepping out of this nurturing role, not a shot. It's just what I thought was going on as a dynamic and who's going to be there for the after school homework snack dinner on at five or six these gorgeous kids are nine and 12 um their weekend stuff there's baseball they're sailing whatever and i left retail for a six-figure pay cut Mm -hmm. to go into the vendor world to be available for all of that stuff so it's dude it's not life work balance it's all life yes it's just what you're putting in your life where that's like saying life, hobby balance, life, nap balance, life, exercise balance. It's just all life. Just life. Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, so I'm grateful for the last 10 years, even though, um, you know, the first half certainly is uh, I was able to increase my income on the vendor side. But I'm uh, so it was uh, not without struggle but I'm grateful for the opportunity in the beginning in a 500 square foot room with me and my kids in bunk beds mm-hmm. for a few years, telling the campfire uh, scary stories <laughs> with the flashlight <laughs> on, on our face. Um, but really showing them that you can adapt to anything that, you know, we can make chicken salad out of anything. Well, and, and look, when we're talking about business, just in general, and definitely the business of parenting, uh, adapting and being adaptable is so insanely, insanely important. Um, Jeff Lagano, we're, we're at a, the telling of our time, but before I let you go, though, for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now, and maybe love to connect with you and just kind of follow along with your journey as well, what, what's the best way to do so? Stearns, S-T-E-R-N-S, at Gmail. Awesome. Hey Jeff, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on and just, 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 just be willingness to be open and just transparent. You know, it's like this is, this, this, this is what parenting is. It is lots of, you know, uh, lots of speed bumps, uh, adaptability, uh, pivoting, maintaining just life in general. 
and you know and and matching just a, what we want as a live to a work ethic it's 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 huge it's it's definitely you know you know i i, I picture that person you know with all those plates and you're kind of keeping it spinning it's just that's life man so thank you so much for taking the time to uh jam with me and uh, have this great discussion today jason one final piece yes i found that any parenting book helped me in my business leadership and every leadership book in business helped me with my parenting that's very, very true. I actually totally agree with you. And that is um, some great advice. Hey, Jeff, again, thank you so much for taking the time to jam me today. You have yourself an amazing day. Thanks for tuning in to the Business of Parenting podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.